0: I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call lanyap that's Creole for something extra. When you think about the art hanging on the walls of museums, likely paintings by the likes of Monet or Van Gogh come to mind. But the fine art world now finally recognizes quilt making as a fine art form. African-American quilters in particular are reclaiming their artistry and long history of using the art form to tell stories of their lives and communities. A new exhibit at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston highlights the power of the narrative in selected works that represent both the quilt maker's multiple perspectives and innovative techniques. Fabric of a Nation, American Quilt Stories, features 58 quilts and woven fabrics from the 17th century to today. Joining me now, Jennifer Swope, Associate Curator of Textile and Fashion Arts at the Museum of Fine Arts, Boston, and Exhibition Curator of the MFA's Fabric of a Nation, American Quilt Stories. The exhibition opened on October 10th and runs through January 17th, 2022. Welcome, Jennifer.
1: Hello, Callie.
0: Dr. Carolyn Maslumi. Author, curator, quilter, and founder of the African American Quilt Guild of Los Angeles and Women of Color Quilters Network. Dr. Maslumi's work, Strange Fruit 2, is featured in the MFA's Fabric of a Nation exhibition. Hi, Carolyn. Hello. And also with me, Geo Swabe, a Bahamian visual artist whose work centers on black joy as a radical act of resistance. Her work, Love Letter Five, is featured in the MFA's Fabric of a Nation exhibition as well. Thanks for joining us, Geo. Thank you, Callie. Jennifer, I'm gonna start with you. The title says American Quilt Stories, but it doesn't mean that everything in the exhibition is a quilt. Explain.
1: Well, we, uh, we wanted to show people, our visitors, um, invite them into a broader story. So we thought it was important to feature the work of contemporary artists, living artists, many of whom don't actually make quilts, if you think about a quilt as a fabric sandwich with a top, some kind of filling, and a bottom, Um, because so much exciting artwork is being created right now that are either inspired by quilts and quilt making and quilt design, but also the communal aspects of quilt making and making things with textiles.
0: So the emphasis here is the storytelling of the quilts, the woven fabrics and quilts as vehicles for telling stories of, you know, I like to think America, of course, that's my focus, but but wherever they may have come from.
1: Yes, yes. We wanted to, we were doing something sort of complicated in the sense that we wanted to draw on some of the strengths in our collection because we've been fortunate, the MFA has been fortunate to receive beautiful bed covers for the last really 120 years. The first, one of the oldest pieces in the exhibition was given at the end of the 19th century. But we have an active collecting agenda where uh, we want to show that quilt making and working in textiles is a vibrant art. Um, It connects with artists who are trying to express their own vision, but are also looking to their communities and expressing the stories of their communities.
0: So how do you see all of the the quilts and the, the woven fabrics in conversation with each other in this exhibit?
1: Well, we generally have a chronological conversation or organization, and but we like to break it up sometimes so that um, throughout the exhibition, there are moments where um, we disrupt the chronology intentionally. So um, whether that's a discussion about um, using a whole cloth quilt made in Western Massachusetts at the end of the 18th century, that's this beautiful field of deep, deep blue and wool. And then uh, trying to investigate that idea of this deep blue, what does that, what did that deep blue mean in the 18th century? And how is it looked at today by artists? What is indigo and the, and the process of making indigo historically what can that tell us about about this work of art and the work of art of, let's say, a contemporary Japanese-American um, quilt maker? And then when we go into the Civil War section, which we title Conflict Without Resolution, um, that was an ideal moment, we thought, <laughs> to show both quilts from the 19th century that were either made during during the Civil War or after the Civil War, looking back at a period before the, before the conflict, and then looking at how artists, really, from the end of the 20th century to today, have um, used textiles and quilts to express their experience of uh, the legacy of slavery, what that's meant to our country, but really also really what that's meant to those individual artists.
0: Well, I'll be frank with you. You know, when I see a title, American Quilt Stories, my mind goes to the African-American experience of quilting because that's been my interest for a long time. I'm African-American. So I've followed this for some time. Dr. Carolyn Maslumi, you're, you're somebody whose work I have followed for years and years and years. And you've been a long been an advocate and, and a real explainer in chief, if you will, of of really the, the layered and complex stories of the quilts by African-Americans. Your piece in the MFA exhibition Strange Fruit 2 is based on history and as I understand it when you before you begin to make a quilt you really do a deep dive into history.
2: Most definitely all of my quilts deal with uh, stories, narratives that reflect African American culture. And with this particular quilt, um, I became very much interested in the history of lynching after the publication of the book Without Sanctuary, which was a, a photographic history of lynching in the country and i i firmly believe that the stories have to be told in order to not be repeated and to let people know how deep the wounds of suffering are within the african american community so that's that's the theme of that particular quilt strange fruit strange fruit is based on a poem that was written by a Jewish man back in the 1930s, Abel Mirapol. He was so shocked and haunted by a photograph of a lynching of two black men in the South, he was inspired to write a poem, Strange Fruit. And that was later uh, set to music and uh, sang by Billie Holiday. She, in her, the latter years of her life, she closed out her sets by singing the song Strange Fruit. So that's what that quilt is about lynching.
0: As is all your work, it's quite layered and very sophisticated in the storytelling because we see an image of Billie Holiday and then there is the fruit, the the hanging bodies of these people from all the trees woven into the quilt. So it's, I'm sure for a lot of people, it doesn't look like what you, in your mind, think a quilt is.
2: No, it does not. (laughs) Uh, When you think, when most people think about quilts, they think about hearth and home and warmth and security and what we, what, what we are wrapped in uh, for warmth. But I've long said for the past 50 years, quilts have jumped off the bed onto the wall and are now seen as works of art. So the, the use is different. These are indeed works of art.
0: If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with MFA Boston curator Jennifer Swope and quilter and visual artist Dr. Carolyn Maslumi and Gio Swaby. We're talking about the new exhibition, Fabric of a Nation, American Quilt Stories. Um, I want to talk about the evolution of, of the movement from quilt making as craft to fine art. But first I want to uh, let my listeners hear a clip from a documentary by Maris Curran called While I Yet Live. This is Essie Petway of the G's Bend Quilt Collective in Alabama talking about watching women quilt when she was a child. I remember when my mom and my grandmom and their neighbors used to come by to quilt together. And I used to just sit there and look up under the quilt and wonder how they was going up and down, up and down with that needle. When not, st- they wasn't even sticking their fingers, but well, I said I'd be done stuck my finger to death. But it was real exciting to see that as a child. And I said, when I get older, I'm gonna make me lots of quilts so I can have to keep my kids warm. Well, she learned with the the older women in her community at the time, now she is one of the elders, the Gee's Bend quilts, if people are not aware, became, it became quite a sensation uh, back in 2011 when they went on tour. And there was a lot of conversation about, at that time, the quilts from these elderly women who had been doing this for quite some time, from uh, craftsmaking to, to fine art. And so, Gia Swaby, I I wanted to uh, bring you in on this conversation because, like Carolyn Maslumi, she learned um, at her grandmother's house, you learned from your mother, who was a seamstress. Uh, So this is, that part of the story is the same.
3: Yes, it definitely is. For me, learning from my mother was really such a, like, at the time, I didn't even think of it as learning to sew. I thought of it as, like, us connecting, like, this act of love between us, of sharing the skill together, of sharing this part of her life with me that, um, you know, I, ha- I have four other siblings and um, I only, her and I kind of really connected in that way. So it's a very special point of connection for me, which I, you know, I, I still carry that through in my work today.
0: Now, your process, your particular process starts with a photograph, and then you begin to hand stitch really these portraits of people around you. But you've said quilting has always been an art form. Uh, so you approached it even though you learned at the knee of your mom, so to speak, as many others have. Pretty soon, this this was your art.
3: Yes, I, it was. It's It's really interesting because I didn't find like quilting and textiles at the beginning of my art making journey of my journey of becoming an artist Um, i worked with more like traditional kind of art forms that you would think of as fine art and i kind of find found quilting afterward and i realized through working with these fabrics and textiles that i have been exposed to this art form all along that um it's been kind of uh, wrongly, only, only relegated to, uh, decorative art, uh, because I, I just feel quilting and, and textiles is certainly kind of like this fine art form. But I also, when working in this medium, I don't want to lose that initial kind of connection that Dr. Maslumi spoke about of, of where quilting began as this act of finding comfort, as this act of um, something being very community-based and very, um, very much based in love.
0: So both you and Dr. Maslumi are, are dedicated to telling more, expanding the stories of, of African Americans. Um, and your particular focus on it is, what you say, uh, just about joy. Now, why have you decided that your focus is going to be in that direction? There, there's a reason why. You're, you're looking to, to express joy in your work.
3: Certainly. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking about the reason I came to wanting to my, my works to be about joy and joyful is, is because I'm thinking about them through a lens of healing. I'm thinking about the trauma we've endured as people and how we can heal from that. Uh, What can my contribution to this healing be? And also, how can I heal myself as well? And I found that art making and sharing my art with other people has been a real source for that. One of my favorite moments in my art making process is actually when the works are hung up on the wall and and I see someone else see the works, especially Black women, especially Black girls. They see the work. And then they see themselves kind of reflected in the in this work. They recognize themselves and see themselves represented in this moment of joy and this moment of uh, power. And that that connection is such a spe- it's, it's so special to me. It's actually quite emotional as well because I see the work come full, full circle at that point. So uh, it's, it's incredibly important to think about our history and I am when I'm creating these works. And I also want to you know, think about futurisms, what does the future look like where we are, you know, being able to just be ourselves mm-hmm. without um, having to think about Uh, you know, all of these stereotypes are connected to us. What does it look like to just be ourselves and to be um, joyful?
0: And uh, your piece, Love Letter number 5, looks like a young woman, I say looks like, because you've deliberately not filled in her features. So I assumed that that was so I'm supposed to see myself in, in her. The rest of her, what makes up her portrait in terms of it's a full body portrait, you know, there's really colorful pieces of clothing and, and other pieces to pay attention to. But I just noted that the features were not there. And it's not that you don't do features, because I've seen that in your Pretty Pretty series. So, Am I right? Was that what's the point? I'm supposed to see myself? <laughs> yes. Okay. That's absolutely right. Okay.
3: That's very spot on. Um, those pieces are good. It is, they, they're really interesting to me, that piece, Love Letter Five, because people that know the woman that's represented immediately recognize her. And people that don't, they see someone else. Maybe they see themselves, maybe they see their sister, their aunt, their daughter. Um, and that's what I love about being able to create that kind of work. You have this very personal connection, but also this larger connection as well.
0: So Dr. Maslumi, back to you. Uh, Jennifer spoke at the beginning about how the pieces are in conversation with each other, both thematically, the overarching theme of telling stories, but really about the perspectives of each of the artists and, and what the pieces may bring uh, to a certain period of time. So I'm struck that in the exhibit, uh, there are two pieces by Harriet Powers, who was enslaved and is, you know, known for her work as a quilter. I wonder if you, because you're a scholar in this field, could talk about the spectrum of work from Harriet Powers to your work to Geo Swaby.
2: Well, we are all bound by the cloth and, and, and needle, that thread. Uh, the thread connects us, the cloth connects us. We from in the Women of Color Quilters Network have long thought of Harriet Powers as the mother of African-American quilting. So much so, in fact, in 1997, I believe, uh, we had a special exhibition called The Daughters of Harriet Powers, a tribute to an American quilt maker. And we had that show at a museum in Tallahassee. But all of us throughout the era, all quilt makers, we're using cloth to tell stories. So today is no different from back in the day of Harriet Powers using her quilts to tell spiritual stories to her. So there's no difference. The cloth binds us together and i see it all i see it all as art mm. anything that's a feast to the eyes and makes people happy visually and spiritually it's art doesn't matter the medium
0: do you see an evolution of the the style i for lack of a better expression of quilting uh,
2: are Mm ever-changing. As uh, materials change and technology change, so does quilt making. We have many uh, members of the Women of Color Quilters Network. Their work is quite different from the quilts that we normally think of. We have people doing 3D quilts, sculptures, towering sculptures that don't even look like fabric. And different materials and technology is used, a lot of uh, computerized work now. So the work is ever-changing. As long as materials change and techniques are added constantly, the work is evolving.
0: Are you inspired or comforted, or I don't know, I'm just putting words in your mouth, you, you tell me, uh, about this uh, apparent new generation? Of quilters, your group is your original group is seventy four to one hundred three years old. So that's exactly. that, that's not Geo Swaby <laughs> or Bisa Butler, for example, who's always or Michael Thorpe, who's a young man from Boston, who is the youngest we believe in the in the exhibition. So uh, tell me, what, what do you feel about uh, see, watching this new generation and what they're doing?
2: It is exhilarating. It is exhilarating to see the rise of quilt making and the prominence of so many young African American quilt makers. I wish my colleagues, Dr. Gladys Fry and Questa Benberry were here to see this because it's absolutely amazing. And I'm so happy for them. Um, carrying on this tradition and in such a public way having more people familiarize themselves with what's happening with african-american quilts is just amazing absolutely amazing so i'm happy that i'm still here to witness this my charge one of the purposes in my writing and curating exhibitions is to find a place in the canon of American quilt history for African-American quilts. And to see these young African-American artists carrying on the tradition, it's, it's like passing the baton. Mm. It's, it's a wonderful feeling, and I'm just glad I'm here to witness it.
0: Jennifer Swope, you get last word in this conversation. And one of the things I want to say is having walked through the tour and you know, seen all the pieces, you know, sometimes um, we've, we've disabused people about what quilts look like. There, You have all kinds of uh, interesting sculptural ones, various techniques, all of that. But I just want to say that you can walk through and know nothing and not even be interested in the history. I know, don't be offended, Jennifer, but just enjoy the beauty of it. They're so beautiful. And I just wish you'd uh, wrap us up here by talking about just the uh, what we what we can appreciate in the beauty of the the quilt making.
1: Well, thank you, Callie. And uh, I think Dr. Matslumi and Gio Swaby, their work and their words about their work um, are so inspiring and i think when visitors walk into all of those spaces whether they're confronting let's say 18th century whole cloth quilts or they're, they're they get to interact with the two harriet powers quilts or um strange fruit or love letter five we want everyone to connect with the people that they're in the room with, with the work of art, with the voice of the artist, and um, and we can all share stories together in those spaces. And perhaps, perhaps we can elevate the conversation, we can ask ourselves new questions, and we can come together with a greater degree of empathy and understanding and, and appreciation for these works that are now part of the public trust, and, uh, and we're very happy to share them.
0: Well, I thank you all for joining me.
1: Thank you for having us.
2: Thank
0: you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Jennifer Swope is Associate Curator of Textile and Fashion Arts at the Museum of Fine Arts, Boston, and Exhibition Curator of the MFA's Fabric of a Nation American Quilt Stories. Dr. Carolyn Maslumi is an author, curator, quilter, and founder of the African American Quilt Guild of Los Angeles and Women of Color Quilters Network. Dr. Maslumi's work, Strange Fruit 2, is featured in the MFA's Fabric of a Nation exhibition. Gio Swaby is a Bahamian visual artist whose work centers on black joy as a radical act of resistance. Her work Love Letter 5 is featured in the MFA's Fabric of a Nation exhibition. And the Fabric of a Nation American Quilt Stories exhibition, which opened on October 10th, runs through January 17th, 2022. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We're on the web at WGBH.org News, Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, and available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Hannah Ubele and engineered by Dave Goodman. Sarah Kaplan is our intern. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. See you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening.